Are you the spirit whose coming was foretold to me? I am. Who and what are you? I am the ghost of Christmas past. Long past? No, your past. What business brings you here? It's Charles Dickens' classic tale of greed and redemption, A Christmas Carol, a radio play from the Sullivan County Dramatic Workshop. Tonight at 8, only on Radio Catskill. On this week's On the Media, after failing to gain any seats in recent midterms, the press all but sounded the death knell for the book-banning group Moms for Liberty. But Moms for Liberty is really part of a broader ecosystem that's aimed at sowing distrust in our public schools. It's on this week's On the Media from WNYC. Saturday afternoon at 4 on Radio Catskill. Support for Radio Catskill comes from Farm Arts Collective, located on Willow West Organic Farm in Damascus, Pennsylvania. Farm Arts Collective's programs intersect the practices of farming, performance, food, and ecology. FarmArtsCollective.org From The Community Foundation of Orange and Sullivan, a publicly supported philanthropic institution, CFOSNY.org And from listeners like you, who donate at WJFFRadio.org WJFF Jeffersonville W233AH Monticello. Good morning. Welcome to Catskill Character. I'm your host, Donna Fellenberg, and my guest today is storyteller from Equinock, Pennsylvania, Rivka Willick. Rivka is originally from rural Michigan, and she's going to tell us about storytelling and a bit about her pet project, Dylan, on the Delaware. In the second half of the show, Rivka is going to treat us to a story entitled The Unwanted Gift. Here's my conversation with Rivka Willett. Welcome to Catskill Character, Rivka. Hi. Good to be here. Equinock, Pennsylvania. That's a long way from rural Michigan. What was it like growing up there? Well, you know, originally I was born in Detroit. And when I was about six or seven, we ended up moving out to Farmington, which was very rural then. Oh, Michigan is a lot colder than it is here, believe it or not. Mm. Maybe I... Maybe just as we get older, we remember differently. But we had snow drifts as early as November. So growing up in rural Michigan meant real weather all the time. And learning to kind of connect with your neighbors, which I do here too. Mm. So uh, beautiful land, Michigan. Beautiful land, Catskills and uh, Poconos. Yeah. There were a lot of kids in your family, right? Well, I think a lot. There were, I was one, four of five. You were four of five kids. Yeah. Was there another girl? There's my sister. There were two boys, my sister, and then my little brother. I understand your father was a veterinarian, and you lived over his clinic. I imagine he had a lot of stories to tell. Yeah. My dad was amazing. Both my parents were amazing storytellers. It's what we call natural storytellers, people who just connect with people and the stories roll out. Sometimes it had to do with pets. Sometimes it was science fiction you know, someone would come in with a dog that was very sick or had to be put to sleep, and uh, sometimes they just couldn't process. And my dad would roll out a story. Did you work with your dad in, in the clinic? It, it was a family business. I think by the time I was six or seven, I was filing cards, putting wow. stuff in the autoclave. Yeah. yeah. So you heard him telling the stories to his patients to help them, his patients' parents. <laughs> 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 I, I heard him and my mom not only going shopping, they tell stories as 
my we had a uh, pet cemetery that was our backyard. So my mom ran the pet cemetery. It didn't matter what they did; there was always a story rolling out. Did people come to the cemetery to visit their pets? <laughs> yes, they like you did. Would? Matter of fact, one of the stories which we don't have time to tell today, maybe another time, there was a gangster who who buried a parakeet in a golden coffin. Oh my god! <laughs> you're kidding. No. Wow! Is this a gangster? I would recognize the name. I doubt it. But I remember he had someone checking for about five years to make sure that grave was never uncovered. Well, look at that. Even gangsters can have a beating heart when it comes to their pets. Or there was something in that box that wasn't. (laughs) Oh, you see, I don't think like that, Rivka. (laughs) So, you know, you shared something with me, which I thought was really, really important for the listener to hear. You had Tourette's syndrome. And when you were a kid, I guess it's something that you have all your life to one degree or another. And for those who don't really know what it is, I was hoping you could tell us exactly what Tourette's is. Sure. And I think this is important because uh, a lot of the stuff on movies, especially TV, kind of distorts it. Uh, Tourette's is a neurological condition. There's two. You can have a tick, a tick disorder, or you can have a seizure disorder. A uh, tick disorder can be postponed Sometimes for hours, sometimes for a few seconds, but you can always kind of push it away a little bit. How do you do that? Mentally, you kind of suppress it. And unfortunately, a lot of the stuff that people hear about Tourette's is the person calling out or swearing. That happens to less than 17% of Tourette's. Mm -hmm. So growing up, you know, uh, to have Tourette's, there's lots of tics syndromes, but to have Tourette's, you have to have at least one thing in your head. And um, usually another tick. My ticks are in my arms and shoulders. I have a tick in the back of my throat. So when I do recordings, I often get people saying, Rivka, why do you end all your sentences with a... So if you're listening carefully, you can hear that in the back. So we have different ticks. Sometimes they're obvious. um, And for most, I think girls work harder at suppressing them. So uh, growing up, I suppressed them. No one knew what it was. Oh. Yeah. Well... What was what was it like growing up with that? I mean, kids can be so cruel, especially when they don't understand something. What was your experience? Yeah, kids can be cruel, so can adults. And they still can be. Uh, I remember, you know, it, it was funny. I worked so hard at suppressing this these movements that made me look weird that uh, sometimes I would pass out from exhaustion. And so I learned to memorize or to verbalize everything I ever wrote. And I would be, you know, lip syncing basically before I'd write an essay for a test. Oh, I, wait a minute. When you had an assignment to write a, a book report or mm-hmm. whatever, you would memorize each word. You're, you're Actually, saying. storytelling isn't really memorizing. I would verbalize it and I, it would just be there. Ah. So I would verbalize it aloud and then I'd be able to take the test to write the papers. I didn't even know I was doing it. My research over the last few decades, there's other people like Woodrow Wilson seem to have done exactly the same thing. Hmm. I don't know if he had Tourette's, but he would verbalize. He wrote books, you know. He wrote massive speeches. He was president of Princeton, and he couldn't write without – he hated writing. His note cards would be very tiny when he did a speech, and then he would just speak, a natural storyteller. Yeah. So I guess – Tell me if I'm wrong here, but I guess having Tourette's 
kind of lent itself to you becoming a storyteller in an odd way. Yeah, and and I sort of believe I've worked with so many different groups. What leads them to be a natural storyteller, and there's a bunch of them out there, it, it can be what we're born with. It couldn't be who we're born with. Um, I don't know. But uh, every time I meet someone who loves to tell the story or many stories, I sit down and listen. Well, we're talking so much about storytelling. Let's talk about storytelling, uh-huh. how you got involved. And I guess we're, we've gotten a, sort of a hint at it. I, I was wondering if it grew out of some type of coping mechanism. And you, you know, you seem to think that you're not saying it did or it didn't, but <laughs> As a shrink, I'm looking at it thinking, <laughs> I think it did. Um, and, you know, also the development of your personality. It must yeah. have had an impact, no? Yeah, I think that it's multiple. Since both my parents were natural storytellers, it comes from that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the natural storytellers are often in rural areas. It's a, it, Oftentimes we change when we're in a more urban setting. I've lived all over the country, so I've been very lucky to run into a lot of great people. Um, as far as how I became a storyteller, I, w- I wanted to be a writer. I was a professional writer for over a decade until someone walked up to me and said, you know, Rivka, you're actually a storyteller. Huh. And I went to a group, and there I was, naturally telling. And I, I caught the bug, and I've been doing it for over 25 years now. You've also done something called story coaching. What's that? Yeah, story coaching, it's helping people find their stories. And storytelling is not story writing, it's not memorization, it's not acting. It's having the story in your head and then being able to tell it over. Tell, not memorize, not write. Hmm. And in doing that, it's a very powerful thing. It's the stickiest form. Now listen to this. The stickiest form of communication, it ties with music. So when we hear a story or we get a tune, it sticks in our head, stories stick in our head too. And mm. oftentimes, if you can't remember something, put it in a story, beginning, middle, and end. If you want to sell something, you want to change people, beginning, middle, and end. Mm. Put in those politicians love stories. Ministers, rabbis love stories. They're trying to put forth something. And parents, you know, you, you're trying to get your kids to do a certain thing, put it in story form. It's it's just, it's like this powerful, powerful form of communication. When we grow elderly, I've worked with a lot of people with uh, memory loss. not just in dementia. nursing homes. Yes, I, I've gone, I've told every, we wouldn't believe the places I've told. But I've told not only in nursing homes, my mother who died at 97, um, she was had very severe dementia. I could sit, we'd do stories, and suddenly she'd come back. Wow. Um, As they, people do with music. You said there was a connection between the two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I also do drum circles. So we would drum, we would tell stories, and then she'd be back for, not forever, for a little You're a busy time. gal, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Never busy enough. <laughs> you also told me that you work with the police. Right. What what was the goal of working with that population? Yeah, I've worked with a lot of different groups. So um, I, the police are a good example. I worked with uh, in New Jersey. I worked with the, the state of New Jersey's uh, transportation uh, system or people. And for them, I was helping them tell and connect with the community for safety. 
Another project I did, it was a countrywide project all over the U.S., working with police officers and underserved communities so their stories could be heard by each other. And as we hear each other's stories, sometimes some of the um, stress and anger can be almost dissolved Mm. or at least minimized. So that's one example. I've worked with nurses, you name it. (laughs) Storytelling and being able to hear and share stories can change the world. I absolutely agree. Aside from the storytelling, you are presently working on restoring your 200-year-old home that you bought in Equinox, and Uh it's going to be an inn, but it's also going to be a place for creatives. You're calling this place Dylan on the Delaware. Uh, how's it going? It's great. It started with COVID. You know, it's. I think we're going to hear a lot of COVID stories. People saying oh, yeah. their lives changed after COVID. Mine certainly did. I got COVID when I was visiting my kids in Israel. I came home. My husband decided he wanted a divorce. And then I got shingles. And so oh those God. three things, it was like, so what do you do? You either fade or you rise. And I decided to rise. I always had this dream of restoring a house and creating a space for creative people. And I found this place that was literally collapsing. It's on 191 right across from the Buckingham Access Ramp in Equinook, Pennsylvania. And over the last over three years, I have restored the space and starting in May 2024, we're going to be starting programs which will have um, a space for creatives. Uh, whether you're an artist, uh, you're a naturalist, you want to uh, cook, we'll have cooking demonstrations. We're going to have all sorts of weird stuff. Health. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And if you are a creative, hopefully we'll connect and uh, you can either learn or present. Fantastic. I'm excited. I'm excited for you. <laughs> Let's take a break here, okay? I think this is a good place for a break. Uh, you've been listening to Catskill Character with today's guest storyteller, Rifka Willett. We'll be right back. Hello, I'm Graham Rice, host of the Wagonada Monkeys British and Irish Folk Music Show here on Radio Catskill. This is the time to focus on family and friends. But if you have a neighbour somewhere on your street or around the corner who'll be on their own this holiday, please call around with a card, some holiday treats and a bottle of their favourite refreshment. I'm sure they'll appreciate it and it might just make you feel better too. From all of us here at Radio Catskill, have a safe and festive holiday season and a happy new year. It's the Christmas tradition heard around the world. A festival of nine lessons and carols. A two-hour service of word and music from the chapel of King's College in Cambridge, England. With biblical readings, carols, organ anthems, and related seasonal music. Hear the full broadcast midnight Christmas Eve or catch the rebroadcast 10 a.m. Christmas morning on Radio Catskill. Hi, I'm Leif Johansson, a member of Radio Catskill's Board of Trustees. Every day, Radio Catskill uses radio for the greater good to deliver trustworthy news and cultural coverage, build essential context and perspective to bridge divides and connect communities. Every day, Radio Catskill is here to serve and support you, and our reliance on your generous support is greater than ever. Make your year-end donation now at wjffradio.org. Thank you. 
Welcome back to Catskill Character. I'm your host, Donna Fellenberg. My guest today is storyteller Rifka Willett from Equinox, Pennsylvania. In the first half of the show, Rifka shared a bit about her life growing up in rural Michigan, where she and her parents and four siblings lived above her father's veterinary clinic. Now she's living in Equinox in a 200-year-old home, and she's converting that home into an inn, which will be a place to retreat for wellness weekends, nature walks. The possibilities are endless. Rifka is calling this project Dylan on the Delaware. And it will also be a place for creatives to give programs on anything from food styling to bird watching. For 25 years, Rivka has been a professional storyteller. And as promised, she's going to share a story with us right now. So let's get to it. Rivka, what do we need to say to set this story up? And remember, we've only got 10 minutes. <laughs> it's, just a, it's a story for the seasons. Um, then. I, I think I said there's lots of different holidays that happen, but we share one thing is the seasons of light and the other thing is the season of gift giving. Yes. And this is a story about sometimes we get gifts we don't want. Well, we just finished the eight days of Hanukkah and we're moving into the Christmas. Mm-hmm. And this story you told me, although it sounds like it's just a Hanukkah story, it's really about gift giving and things that are similar between all the holidays. So take it away. All right. And the name of the story is The Unwanted Gift. So during this season of so many holidays, I wanted to tell you a story that is an original story, which is based long, long ago. It's based in what we now call Poland. There was a girl. Her name was Shifra. And she was born with what her mother and her father said was a great gift. She didn't think it was a great gift. She hated it. Her mama would say, oh, such a gift. And she'd say, ugh. You see, the gift that they're talking about was her nose. It wasn't that her nose was too big or too small. It just worked way too well. She could smell anything. And I mean anything. Of course, there's things you don't want to smell, like a dirty diaper or spoiled food. But that's not really what bothered her. You see, she could smell every emotion. When we feel something... Our body knows it. She could smell fear. She could smell a lie. She could smell anger. She hated it. She didn't want to know what everyone was feeling all the time. And then, when she was 11 years old, there was a terrible snowstorm. Not just because there was so much snow, but because it came so early almost two months before it should have, before any snow should have fallen. And the farmers weren't ready. None of the crops had been harvested. The fall crops, potatoes, onions, carrots, they were all still in the ground. So when the snow came, and it came for days and days, and it was deep, the farmers couldn't find where anything was buried. And if they looked and they found a little bit, it was rotten. She and her family didn't know what they were going to do. They had parsnips. That's all they had. Parsnip soup, parsnip salad, parsnip roast. She was sick of parsnips. She was so sick of them. She never wanted to taste or smell a parsnip again. And then it was the first day of Hanukkah. The first night was coming. And, uh, well, she loved latkes. Latkes are fried potato pancakes. It was just part of the holiday, part of the season. And when she walked to the kitchen, 
She sniffed, and she realized there were no potatoes. There were no parsnips. There was no food. And then she smelled a scent that she hated most of all. She smelled her mother's tears. Her mother was crying. There was no food for Hanukkah. It was enough. That was just too much. So she grabbed her hat and her coat and her gloves, and she burst out of the house. Her father didn't even know. Nobody knew. She knew. Eleven years old, and she knew. So she went running. She ran as far as she could out to the fields. She knew snow was safe. Snow wouldn't bother her. Snow wouldn't tell her that someone was sad or angry or lying. She just would stand in the middle of the field and sniff. But then she realized it wasn't just snow that she was smelling. There was something underneath. She kicked it a bit and sniffed again. It wasn't just dirt. She dropped to her knees and dug with her hands, and she pulled out a potato. And by some kind of miracle, it was fine. She dug with her hands, found a second. That's all it took. She ran, she got a shovel, and she dug and she dug. Three, five, seven, eleven, eighteen potatoes. That's all she could put in her skirt. She ran back. She burst in her house. She said, look, look what I found. Potatoes. Didn't take any more than a minute for the entire family to grab coats and hats and shovels. And she pointed out, there, there, I smell another patch of potatoes. Don't dig there. Those are rotten. <gasps> Onions. They spent entire day digging and digging, filling every basket and bag. And then, and then they realized they'd have food for Hanukkah. Her father said, let's go to the neighbor. Let's help them. And as mama got ready for latkes and Hanukkah and lighting, the family helped the neighbor. And the next day, they helped more neighbors. They went from place to place. And when it got dark, wherever they were, they lit and they sang and they ate. You know, this is a season filled with miracles. And for Shifra, well, not only did they find food when no one thought there would be food, she also discovered that the gift she was born with, that thing that she hated, was truly a gift. So during this season of gift giving and gift getting, realize that something that's given to you might have way more meaning and use and purpose than you can actually imagine. And look at the giver and realize Every gift is truly that, a gift. Happy holidays. I love that. When you first started telling the story, I immediately thought of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Ah. Right? Isn't yeah. that like a take? It's exa- Yeah, there you go. Yeah. He saved Christmas. Mm-hmm. And- and she saved Hanukkah. And he has a nose. I didn't even realize. And it was a nose. Exactly. <laughs> a Jewish version of, of Rudolph. But yeah, yeah. I, so many stories that we share from different traditions really connect. Mm-hmm. And so often as I tell stories or people are asking me for things, you know, a Russian story, I can find a similar one in China. and find a similar one in Michigan. And wherever we look, these connections of people and of our struggles we can find in our stories yeah and then telling our stories and hearing the stories can help us understand so you've talked a lot about and you've mentioned natural storytellers what other kind of storytellers are there well i mean there's people that are trained but there's also different kinds of stories that we tell i just told an original story there's lots of traditional stories there's historical stories if you listen to npr 
You know, there are stories that are personal stories you hear on The Moth. They've been featuring storytelling since I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. And whether you're listening to Garrison Keillor or some of the most amazing storytellers from all over the country, you can hear them here. So uh, it, it's kind of cool to be in an NPR station and join with that wonderful group. And you said there weren't a lot of storytellers here. Of course, we have yarn slingers, but that's memoir. It's a completely right. different kind of storytelling. I hope you're going to change that. Yeah. One of my goals is I want to reach out to libraries and groups. If you're interested, contact me. And I'd like to start storytelling in the Catskills and Poconos area. And you're going to be doing that at Dillon on the Delaware, I'm assuming. Yeah. And libraries will go where we can find the storytellers. What other kinds of things have you done as a storyteller? One of my heart projects is called Camp Katie. It's a camp for girls who've been sexually abused, girls between the ages of 9 to 17 years old. The girls support each other, and we've always included storytelling as part of the camp experience so the girls can discover how to be kids again. That's one of my, one of my many heart projects. Yeah. That's wonderful. I love that. And you also told me something I thought was really important, you know, because you always hear that line, everybody's got a story. But you said, no, everybody's got lots of stories. Yes, I've actually coined this about 20 years ago, and some people are using it. It's, my phrase is called a bully story. A what? Bully, B-U-L-L-Y. Sometimes we have a story that is stuck to us, and we can't get out of it. It's a story that, you know, you are this and it might be something bad, like something that happened to you, or it might just be, oh, you're a doctor, and you can't be anything else because suddenly that story sticks. And that's not who we are. We are a tapestry. And if we start looking at our other stories, even other stories about specific things we've been through or our families or who we are, we start discovering so many more places we can go and do and connect because that's the best thing stories do. A real storyteller does it live. I'm looking at you and, and seeing your beautiful face. And so the way I'm telling that story is affected. Best storytelling is live because the audience is part of the story. I hate to make a gross generalization, but this is my fantasy. Storytellers have a lot of empathy. you got to connect to your audience. If yeah. you're not connecting, you're, you might be an actor. You might be doing recitation. But the minute you start telling, you start connecting to the people you're telling to. Did you use storytelling a lot when you were raising your kids? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what yes. a great tool to have. It's amazing, yes. One of my kids became a preschool teacher, and my youngest, I have four kids, my youngest daughter became an actress, and she is now in a private school. She's the goodbye art teacher, which is for four-year-olds to fourth graders, and what they're doing is creating, creating, and a big part of that is stories. Things that they can create and let go. And it's called goodbye, like waving goodbye art? Goodbye art. Uh, I don't uh, get it. <laughs> yeah. Goodbye art. It's, it's something that happened about, the concept came up about 20 years ago, is that art creatives, people can create, not necessarily to hold on to it. You know, when I tell a story, in this case, it's being recorded, but it's gone usually. I give it to my audience, they hear it, and they walk away. It's not written down. It's goodbye art. It's, it's art that it. we create, okay. right? Yes. And there's a lot of things like that. And letting kids know early on that you can create just for the pleasure mm. and the excitement and the learning of creating. Storytelling's that. 
dancing that, live performances of that. Rivka, this has been so wonderful. I am so happy to have you on today. And do I want to know if you have a website or a place where people can contact you. I am building my website. It is <laughs> DylanOnTheDelaware.com. You can also get me Rivka, R-I-V-K-A, Bullock, W-I-L-L-I-C-K, on Facebook or Email me if you're creative and you'd like to do a program. And you can email me at, here we go, Rivka, R-I-V-K-A, Teller, T-E-L-L-E-R, at gmail.com. Perfect. So all you creatives out there who have been dying for a place to display your gifts, get in touch with Rivka. Thank you so oh, much. This I so appreciate much fun. it. Thank you for inviting me. You've been listening to Catskill Character on every Saturday at 1030, except the last Saturday of the month when Greg Triggs brings us Travels with Triggs. Please tune in then for more stories of fabulous characters of the Catskills and beyond on Radio Catskill. I'm Donna Fellenberg. Thanks for listening. Radio Catskill supporters include SUNY Sullivan, a community college in the Sullivan Catskills focused on preparing students for the future. More information at sunysullivan.edu. Livingston Manor, dining, shopping, and the arts at the Gateway to the Catskill Park. LivingstonManorNY.com. And listeners like you who donate at WJFFRadio.org. On this week's Selected Shorts, Holiday Hurdles with guest host David Sedaris. Tobias Wolf brings us a lot of snow, and Jeanette Winterson shares a Christmas that might just be magical. Tune in. Sunday night at 7 on Radio Catskill. You're listening to Radio Catskill. WJFF Jeffersonville. W233AH Monticello. 